Welcome to 30 Minutes Towards Victory. Hi, I'm Greg Marcus. I'm the pastor of Imperial Valley Christian Center. This is our TV program, our TV ministry, 30 Minutes Towards Victory. Our purpose with this program is to lift you up, it's to build you up, it's to encourage you. It's to encourage you in the fact that God is on your side, that God wants it to go well with you, that God is not your enemy, that God is for you. He is not against you. God is for you. He is not against you. God is for you. He is not against you. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Well, right now we're on the subject of prosperity. I'm trying to show you from the Bible that God wants it to go well with you materially and financially. In fact, I put it this way. God wants you to be rich. God wants you to be rich. And the reason I'm going it over and over again is because I know this. I know that if I can get the word of God down into your heart, change will come in your life. I know that if I can get the word of God past that filter in your brainiac, that every time it hears something good about God, it says, no, that can't be so. If I can, every time it hears a promise from the Bible, it says, oh, no, that can't be so. Every time it hears something good from God's word, it says, no, that couldn't be true. If I can get the word of God past that filter and down into your heart till the word of God sprouts up inside of you and becomes alive and becomes a real, becomes a true thing to you, then change will come in your life. That's what, that's what my job is. My job is to preach the word, to keep planting the seed of God's word, to keep preaching the word, teaching the word, planting the seed of God's word until it springs up on the inside of you and change comes. Hallelujah. Your job is to hear with open ears and with an open heart to receive God's word, to receive the Bible, to receive it as though it's God speaking to you. Anyway, so right now we're on the subject of prosperity. We've been looking for several weeks at one of my favorite scriptures, and it's in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18, and it says this, but thou shalt remember the Lord thy God For it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he sware unto thy fathers, as it is this day. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, so that he may establish his covenant, which he sware unto thy fathers, as it is this day. Okay, there's two things you need to see from this scripture we've been going over. Two things. Number one is, well, obviously God is not against people getting wealth because here it says he giveth power to get wealth. Obviously, if God gives power to get wealth, it's not because he's against you getting wealth. If he gives power to get wealth, he must be in favor of you getting wealth. Wealth. Can you see that? If he gives power to get wealth, it's because he's in favor of people getting wealth. Can you? He's not against it. He's not against people be getting wealth. That's why he gives them power to get it. Can you see that? Second point is this. Why does he do it? So that, in the second half of the verse, so that he may establish his covenant, which he swear unto thy fathers, as it is this day. Sometimes you'll hear people say something like this. They'll say, well, establish his covenant means to preach the gospel in the whole world. Well, no, that's not what it means here. In fact, the same Hebrew word, you know, the Old Testament was written in the 
hebrew language it wasn't written in english in fact english didn't even exist as a language in those days right so here in deuteronomy chapter 8 it's originally written in the hebrew language and it's translated into english and this word establish here i think it's improperly translated here in this bible because over about let me see how many verses seven verses away in other words over in deuteronomy 9 5 the same hebrew word that is translated established in deuteronomy 8 18 over in deuteronomy 9 5 that same hebrew word is translated perform that he may perform so let's take that back over to Deuteronomy 8.18. Let's take that translation, insert it here into Deuteronomy 8.18 and see what we get. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to give wealth, so that he may perform, or we could put it this way, so he can keep his covenant, so he can keep the promise, so he can, you know, in the law we say he performed the contract. That's what he's talking about. He did what he was supposed to do. He did what he promised to do, and that's what it's talking about here. The reason he gives power to get well is so he can perform the covenant, so he can perform the covenant which he swore unto their fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So two points you need to see from that scripture. Number one, God's in favor of people getting wealth. That's why he gives them power to get wealth. Number two, the reason that he does it is to perform or to keep the promise, the covenant that he made unto their fathers. Who were they? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that great? God gives power to get wealth. Hallelujah. You think all of the Christians would stand up and say, Hallelujah. God gives power to get wealth. Why? The poor don't have to be poor anymore. God gives power to get wealth. Those who are in lack, they don't have to be in lack anymore. God gives power. Listen, people. Here's the good news. You don't have to be poor anymore. We've got a God who cares about you. think Christians would say that, you know? But immediately, as soon as they hear a good promise out of the Bible... You know, it's kind of like this. I sometimes think that uh, Satan, whenever he hears a Christian reading a, a promise out of the Bible, he immediately raises up a hundred theologians to explain why that promise can't be so, to explain why that promise doesn't belong to them. The other day I was... Uh, I was on the internet, the internets, as they say, and I was having a little kind of a conversation, you know, and comments on a, a post on a blog of a man who's a professor at a pretty well-known theological seminary, and uh, he's an expert in the New Testament. And so he was saying, no, God's not interested in prosperity. He's not interested in those kind of things. He's not interested in people being prosperous or wealthy or something like that, right? And so in the course of the conversation, in the course of these comments on his post I, I mentioned this scripture but thou shalt remember the lord thy god for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth so that he may establish so that he may perform the covenant which he swear unto thy fathers abraham isaac and jacob right okay so i mentioned that post and he immediately responded saying no this college professor this theological seminary well-known guy, written lots of books. No, no, that promise, nothing there applies to the Christian. Nothing there belongs to the Christian. Hallelujah, hallelujah. See, you know, if I was Satan, 
If I was Satan, part of my plan to keep Christians poor, sick, and stupid, if I was Satan, if I was the devil, part of my plan to keep, keep Christians poor, <laughs> sick, and stupid would be op to open up all manner of theological seminaries and keep people from reading their Bible, keep people from reading it themselves. You need to read it for yourself. You need to read it. Don't go based on what that professor in the theological seminary said you read it for yourself and so I want to show you today I want to show you from the Bible how that isn't so that that promise does belong to us hallelujah hallelujah now the first thing you need to see is this okay he swore the reason he gives power to get well is because of the covenant that he entered with the forefathers and we saw before that that was Abraham Isaac and Jacob. Abraham, you can read the book of Deuteronomy. You'll see that repeated several times. Well, let me show it to you. Turn over to Deuteronomy 1. This is important because the reason that that promise belongs to us is because we're entitled to the covenant promises of Abraham. We're entitled, as Christians, we're entitled to the things that belong to Abraham. So you need to understand that the covenant that he's talking about here, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore unto thy fathers that it's talking about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Can you see it? Because some people will come, some people from theological seminaries, some people who read a little bit of theological commentary, they will come to you trying to, get Satan using them to talk you out of all the good promises of God's word. They'll come to you and they'll say, well, no, Deuteronomy is not taught. I've heard them say it myself. You'd think they couldn't read English. They'll say Deuteronomy is not talking about the covenant of Abraham, but this is the covenant of Moses. There is no covenant of Moses. There's only one covenant that the Jewish people have, and that's the covenant that they made, that God made with Abraham, with Isaac, with Jacob. It's the same covenant. And it belongs to the Christian as well. And I'm going to show you that in a second. But first, let me show you that this is talking about Abraham's covenant. When he says here uh, that God, for it is he, God, that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may perform his covenant, which he swore unto thy fathers, as it is this day, the fathers he's referring to are Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Turn over to Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 8. Behold, I have set the land before you, go in and possess the land which the Lord swore unto your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give unto them and to their seed after thee. All I want you to see is that when he says, thy fathers, he means Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so over here in Deuteronomy 8, 18, when he says, For it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may perform his covenant, which he swore unto thy fathers. He means Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You can see it in the verse we just looked at, Deuteronomy 9, verse 5. It says this. I'm going to skip halfway down because I don't want to read the whole thing. It says, But for the wicked of these nations, the Lord thy God does drive them out from before thee, and that he may perform the word which the Lord swear unto thy fathers. Who are these fathers? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The promises contained here in the book of Deuteronomy. The promises that Moses is detailing here in the book of Deuteronomy. They belong to the Jewish people. <laughs> they belong to the children of Israel. They belong to the people we would call the Jewish people because of the covenant that God entered into with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. That covenant belongs to the descendants of 
of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the people we call Jewish, the people who are called the children of Israel, the nation of Israel, they are the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so that same covenant belongs to them. Hallelujah. Now turn over to Galatians chapter 3, and I want to show you that real quick. Galatians chapter 3. I want to show it to you a couple different ways, and I may have to go into two programs because we're already running out of time. But look at this. It says Galatians chapter 3. What do I want you to say? I want you to see that promise belongs to you. That promise that God made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that he would give them power to get wealth, it belongs to you, Christian. That promise that God, you know, that theological professor at the seminary, without any hesitation, with no, and evincing no doubt whatsoever, manifesting no modesty of thought whatsoever, declared absolutely unequivocally that that has nothing to do with the Christian. Well, I'm going to show you that it has everything to do with the Christian. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's amazing what you can learn when you actually bother to read the Bible. Look here at what it says. Galatians chapter 3 verse 13. It says this, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. What is the curse of the law? Turn back to Deuteronomy chapter 28. The curse of the law is the thing, is the curse that the children of Israel pronounced upon themselves if they would not keep the law. Hallelujah. Read about it in Deuteronomy chapter 7, 27. Deuteronomy chapter 7 and Deuteronomy chapter 28. And here starting in verse... Uh, Verse 15, Deuteronomy 28, 15, Moses begins to detail what that curse for not keeping the commandments of God, for not keeping the law. He begins to detail what that curse is like. And look what it says here in Deuteronomy 28, verse 15. But it shall come to pass, if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe, to do all his commandments and his statutes, which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. Cursed shalt thou be in the city. Cursed shalt thou be in the field. Cursed shall be thy basket and thy store. Cursed shall be the fruit of thy body and the fruit of thy land, the increase of thy kind, the flocks of thy keep. Cursed shalt thou be when thou comest in. Cursed shalt thou be when thou goest out. And it goes on for a whole bunch of more verses that I don't like to read because it's pretty depressing. Hallelujah. But that's the curse of the law. If they didn't obey the commands that God had given them, that curse was going to come upon them. If they didn't obey God's commandments, if they didn't follow after the law, they didn't follow after God and hearken to his voice and obey him, those curses were going to come upon them. Things were going to go bad for them in the country. Things would go bad for them in the city. Things would go bad for them in their house. Things would go bad for them in their physical bodies. Things would go bad for them in their family life. Things would go bad for them in their financial life. Things would go bad for them in their material possessions. Things would go bad for their animals. Things would go bad for their cars. Things would go bad for their TV sets. Hallelujah. Why? Because that curse was operating. Can you see that? Hallelujah. That, if they didn't keep the law, 
They didn't follow after God. They didn't obey his voice. They didn't keep his commandments. That curse was going to come and get them. That curse was going to, and everything would go bad for them in their life. Hallelujah. Verse 13, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. He's redeemed. That curse cannot come on you. That curse of the law cannot come on you. That, why would he be telling us this? Why would, why, why would never even occur to me that the curse was coming on me? Hallelujah. If that doesn't belong to me, if what it's talking about back there in Deuteronomy chapter 28 has nothing to do with the Christian, then why would he even be telling us that we've been redeemed? From the curse. Well, I was never under the curse. I wasn't. No, that curse belonged to you too. Hallelujah. But you've been redeemed. Christ has redeemed us from the curse. He's redeemed you from things going bad in your family life. He's redeemed you from things going bad in your material life. He's redeemed you. He's rescued you. He's delivered you from things going bad in your physical body. Hallelujah. He's redeemed us from the curse of the law. How did he do it? Being made a curse for us. He was made a curse for us. He took the curse instead. He became the curse. He became sick for us. He became poor for us. He became destroyed for us. Can you see that? So we wouldn't have to be sick. So we wouldn't have to be poor. So we wouldn't have to be destroyed. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Verse 14. So that the blessing of Abraham. That's, that's what I've been getting to all along. So that the blessing of Abraham. 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 Abraham, so that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. The blessing of Abraham belongs to you. The blessing of Abraham belongs to you. The blessing of Abraham belongs to you. What is the blessing of Abraham? Well, part of it is that Deuteronomy 8, 8, 15. It says, but thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth so that he can perform the covenant which he swore unto Abraham. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law so that the blessing of Abraham could come on you. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law so that the blessing of Abraham could come. What is that blessing? But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, so that he may establish or perform his covenant, which he swore unto thy fathers, Abraham, which he swore unto Abraham. Hallelujah. That belongs to you. That belongs to you. Look, turn it over to Deuteronomy 28. In the first part of that chapter, he begins to detail, Moses details what that blessing of Abraham, what that covenant promise, uh, what are the blessings that are due to the children of Israel as a result of that covenant promise that God had made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And if they'll just keep the law, if they'll just obey the law, then all these blessings will come upon them. If they'll just obey God, if they'll listen to God, then these blessings 
will come upon them. Look here in Deuteronomy 28. And it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and to do all his commandments, which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. Blessed shalt thou be in the city. Blessed shalt thou be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of thy body and the fruit of thy ground, the fruit of thy cattle, the increase of thy kind, the flocks of thy sheep. Blessed shall be thy basket and thy store. Blessed shalt thou be when thou comest in. Blessed shalt thou be when thou goest out. Hallelujah. In other words, it's going to go well for you in the city. It's going to go well for you in the country. Country, it's going to go well for you when you go out. It's going to go well for you when you come in. It'll go well for you in your home. It'll go well for you in your job. It'll go well for you in your finances. It'll go well for you in your body. It'll go well for you in your animals. It'll go well for you in your investments. It'll go well for you in every area of your life. It'll go what? Blessed. Blessed shall you be. Blessed. Blessed in the city. Blessed shalt thou be. Let's get down to verse 11. And the Lord shall make thee plenteous in goods. I love that. And the Lord shall make thee plenteous in goods. The Lord shall make thee plenteous in goods. I like the Amplified Bible. It says this. And the Lord shall make you have a surplus of prosperity. And the Lord shall make you have a surplus of of prosperity and the Lord shall make you have a surplus of prosperity hallelujah hallelujah so somebody heard that they heard somebody reaching one of these theological professor types you know one of these guys who whenever he hears a good thing from the Bible you know Satan comes immediately and whispers and says that can't be so figure out a way around that one theological professor and so they hear this oh no Greg you're misunderstanding you're misunderstanding. Look, go, turn back to Galatians 3.13 and you will see that it refers to the blessing of Abraham. Well, turn back there. It says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, cursed. What did he redeem us from? The curse of the law. What did he redeem us from? The curse of the law. What did he redeem us from? The curse of the law. Which curse did he redeem us from? The curse of the law. What curse did he redeem us from? The curse of the law. Verse 14, so that the blessing of Abraham, and so they say, no, that's not the blessing of Abraham, Greg. That is the blessing of the law. No, they're nuts. There is no blessing of the law per se. There's only the blessing that God promised to Abraham. To I, that's the covenant. Can you see that? You want, let, let me show you that that's what he's talking about. Because look here in Galatians chapter 3, go down to verse 10, for as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, for it is written, means it's written somewhere. For it is written, cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them, but that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. For the just shall live by faith, and the law is not a faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles. You know that verse where he says, cursed is everyone that can... For it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all the things which are written in the book of the law to do them. You know where that scripture is? Turn back to Deuteronomy chapter 28. And I'll show you where that scripture is. 
That is the last verse of Deuteronomy chapter 27. Cursed be he that confirmeth not all the words of this law to do them. And all the people shall say, Amen. What immediately follows from that? And it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and to do all his commandments which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above, and all these blessings shall come upon thee. Here's what I want you to see. Of course, that's the same blessing of Abraham. That's why Paul, he mentions this verse, Deuteronomy chapter 27, verse 26. He says, no, uh, you know, if you don't keep the law, the curse is going to come upon you. And then he says, uh, but Christ has redeemed us, the Christian, from the curse of the law. We don't have to keep the law. Hallelujah. And why did he do that? So that the blessing of Abraham could come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. Can you see that the whole context of what he's talking about is Deuteronomy chapter 28? He's surrounding Deuteronomy. So if the curse is from Deuteronomy chapter 8, and if the curse that Paul refers to as being written is the last verse of Deuteronomy chapter 27, then I don't think it's unreasonable to conclude that the blessing of Abraham that he's talking about is this blessing that's mentioned in between those two scriptures. Do you think that? Hallelujah. That's not unreasonable. If the context in which he is talking is Deuteronomy chapter 28 and he uses the word blessing, it is not unreasonable to conclude that the blessing he's referring to is the blessing mentioned in Deuteronomy chapter 28. But I'm not finished. I'm going to show you another way, but let me show you something else. Turn back to Deuteronomy chapter 28. Deuteronomy chapter 28. So all these blessings shall come upon thee, and it shall come to pass if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe and do all his commandments, which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all men, and all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee. And all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee. And all these blessings shall come on thee. And all these blessings... All these good things are going to come on you. They're going to overtake you. That belongs to you, Christian. That belongs to you, Christian. Listen, let me show you one more time that that's talking about what belongs to the promise that's the result of the promise, the covenant that God entered with Abraham, that it's a result of the blessings God promised Abraham, and that when he says that the blessing of Abraham might come on you, that's what he's talking about. Look here in Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 19 and look what it says here i call heaven and earth to record this day against you that i have set before you life and death blessing and cursing therefore choose life that both thou and thy seed may live verse 20 that thou mayest love the lord thy god that thou mayest obey his voice and that thou mayest cleave unto him for he is thy life and the length of thy days you hang out with god you'll have length of days you hang out with god you'll have a good life hallelujah you do what God says, you'll have a good life. You do what God says, you'll have length of days. Hallelujah. That thou mayest dwell in the land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, and to, to give them. Can you see how he's saying, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. We just read the blessing and the cursing. We just read the life and the death, right? Follow after God, you get life. Don't follow after God, death is going to come upon you. Follow after God, blessings will come. Everything will go well with you. Don't follow after God, death is going to, cursings will come. Everything will go bad with you. And then he says, the reason that thou mayest love the Lord thy God, that thou mayest 
mayest dwell in the land which the Lord swore unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. He's summing it all up. And he says, I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Listen to God. Choose life. Choose life. Choose blessing. Choose life. Choose blessing. What does he mean? He means obey God. Keep his commandments so that the blessing can come upon you. So that life can come upon you. As God has promised to our fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Can you see that he's tying the two things together? I'm only going through that instruction because I know somebody's going to come to you and say, Oh, no, that's not the covenant God made with Abraham. That's the covenant of Moses. That's the co No, there is no such thing in the Bible. There may be something like that in the theological seminary. There may be something like that in somebody's doctrine, but there ain't anything like that in the Bible. Now let me show you one last thing. Hallelujah, because I'm out of time. Woo! Look here in Deuteronomy chapter 28, and it says that these blessings shall come upon you if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe and to do all his commandments. Hallelujah. Now turn back to Galatians 3. You know that those blessings don't come on the Christian by keeping the commandments. Those blessings do not come on the Christian because the Christian keeps the commandments. Those blessings do not belong to you, Christian, as a result of you keeping the commandments. That's what Paul is talking about here in Galatians chapter 3. He's talking about how these blessings come on you. And he says this, so that... Know uh, ye, verse 7, Galatians 3, 7, Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify or help or redeem the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. Verse 9, So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. You receive the blessing of the law. Look what it says. That the blessing, verse 14, so that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. How do we receive those promises? Through faith. How do we receive those promises? Through faith. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. So then they which be of faith are blessed with Abraham and are blessed with faithful. So then they, what does faith mean? What does faith mean? Faith means saying about yourself what God says about you. You receive those promises not because you earned them by keeping the law, by obeying God's voice, by keeping the Ten Commandments. You receive those promises because you believe God's promises. You receive those promises because you believe God, but you believe you're blessed coming in and going out. You believe that you're blessed in the country and in the city. You believe that you're above only and not believe. You believe that you're the head only and not the tail. You believe that God causes you to have abundant prosperity. Why do you believe? Because God promised it. Because God promised it. And that's how you, Christian, receive those promises. Unfortunately, I'm out of time, but I'm not finished. Come back next week. I'll see you later. Bye-bye. Thank you.